Welcome to Verbal Art, a podcast where we talk about artsy stuff in different locations. Hi, listener. So, um, this uh, grand gesture that I decided to to make with this episode of doing a two long interviews with myself and then editing them together to be like one meta conversation with me alone in my studio it ended up being such a massive thing and I didn't do it in good enough time but also it's just it's too much for one episode so in order to get the episode out on time today and to not overload your listening experience I'm going to have to cut this episode in into several parts so this is the first part of what will be a two or three episode saga um, and I will try to get them all out like maybe within a week instead of like with a week in between um, but yeah I think it will be better for everyone this way so this is the first part of episode 30 more to follow Welcome to Verbal Art, with me, your host, Senja Ram. I'm in my studio. Uh, it's Tuesday afternoon. And the sun is shining. Uh, well, now is uh, the end of July, 2023. Um and it's Saturday in the middle of the night I think I'm not sure what time it is maybe it's 1 or 2 a.m. this is episode number 30 the big 3.0 episode which is not nothing I would say and so for the occasion uh, I'm doing another attempt at interviewing myself, hosting myself, guesting myself on my own podcast. It's quite self-absorbed, but at the same time, maybe interesting. I'm going to be doing this thing again where I'm going to like kind of perform the both roles of interviewer and interviewee. But since this is not my first time around the block and also because I'm a little bit tipsy drinking rosé wine. Uh, I think it's going to go better than last time. Last time was quite stumply. Uh, last time was episode 8, where I interviewed myself in my childhood home in Copenhagen. And now it's exactly one year since I did it the first time. And so I thought it would be a good time to check in with myself. Uh, and attempt this whole self-interview again. And also, I am uh, practicing hard procrastination of my thesis writing project at the moment. So I think maybe that was quite like a big motivational factor for me to decide to do this in the spur of the moment right now. So yeah, 
Welcome to me, to us, to you. I already did this. I interviewed myself for three hours the other night. And then now I got this crazy idea to do it again in the daytime and then edit the two episodes so that I would choose bits from both of them so that the day me and the night me could like interview each other or talk to each other. Um, which as we will get into in this episode I really don't have time for this kind of extra editing work at the moment it is insane even to do a three-hour interview that I have to edit but to do two interviews it will be so many hours and the more kind of editing I need to do the longer it just takes because you don't have to listen through it just like in real time one time it's listening back to all these bits every time you make a cut and yeah but yeah sorry I'm just making coffee while talking this is why I'm going a little bit far away from the mic um, it's just as it will become apparent maybe in this episode uh, this idea is really great for exactly this topic that I'm talking about which is my thesis work my master's thesis work in the Academy of Fine Arts if you haven't listened to any other episodes of this podcast before, basically I interview artists and we look at their work or where they work. And uh, yeah, I feel like it's this ongoing investigation into like the practice of, of art and the art world. Yes, and uh, where are we now? Well, now we are in the place where all the magic happens. Uh, we're in my studio in Helsinki, which coincidentally is also my home. Uh, please don't tell my landlord. So I moved in here at the same time as I was uh, starting the thesis project. And I recorded sound here for like nine months and then I edited them and made this ambient noise composition and put it on cassette tape and self-released it. Um, I think it can be good to work with what you've got or where you are. Um, and so this made a lot of sense to me. I knew that there was a lot of theory that I wouldn't mind reading because that's part of like a thesis project. You have to make the artwork, but you also have to read and write about it. So you have to be interested in the topic, not just like creatively or practically, but also um, theoretically. It's a little bit this like uh, 60s, 70s, like concrete castle. I live in this, uh, it, lo it looks like an old Eastern Soviet block where I'm living with a lot of like identical tall concrete houses, like ghetto style looking. It's a really lovely neighborhood, but it looks a little bit like a ghetto. Uh, and it's next to the harbor. I can't see the water, but I feel like I can hear it in the night when it's windy and stormy. The wind comes in through the window, cracks in the right way, that, and through the ventilations and stuff, that I really feel like the tower is like breathing the air and the sounds of the sea into the building. And so 
I'm so far down in the tower that I can't see the ocean. But the tower is really tall and can see like everything. And so the tower in the night will like whisper sound like stories from the ocean. It will like look at the ocean and tell me the stories about it. And so I can I can be in here in my pocket of the tower and listen to these like um yeah this storytelling session about like what is happening outside. And uh and then I have been writing stories about this that I am now telling you and telling the audience like through the sound on the tape but also in the performance iteration called narrative noise which is a different way of presenting the same work so the tape and the performance are two versions of the same work two iterations the source material is my experience of the sound of this place so it's like a site-specific work and then yeah the tape and the performance offers me different platforms and different um, medium possibilities for how to uh, represent that experience or how to interpret it and and dis redistribute it. I was losing my study right to have a studio at school so I was in this position that I, I needed to find a workspace outside of school and um, I couldn't afford that on top of of my private rent and I couldn't work from home because I was living in the student housing where I was sharing the apartment with two other girls. You only have a small room. It's just my options were not great because since I don't get housing support here in Finland, uh, Finnish people or people living here get quite high housing support. Uh, but since I don't work here officially or regularly, uh, only have odd jobs or something, uh, they don't consider me to be a permanent resident, even though I lived here for five years and I study. So I'm not eligible for housing support. So, yeah, for many reasons. Also just because I had been kind of uh, having this dream of trying to like live in my workspace and see if I could make that work or if uh, if I would just end up watching TV series and uh, like forget to work and like so I, I wanted to test myself a little bit so yeah that was a really long explanation sorry but <laughs> in the end I rented this studio space and I I turned it into a micro uh, apartment slash work studio. It's one room, 19 square meters. And everything I own in Finland is fitted within these 19 square meters now. Um, which means that it's kind of compact living. Like everything has its own space, its own correct place to be. A lot of stuff here is built or bought to measurement. Um, sometimes it feels a little bit like living in a camper or something. You know, my bed is that I'm sitting on now is built from pa Euro pallets. I built it myself and it's built like exactly with the measurements to fit with the 
height of the window and uh, the the shelf systems are like bought to fit with the measurements of the bed and, and and the bed is raised so that under there's a lot of storage space and yeah this kind of like a pragmatic lifestyle yeah uh, I divided the space in two with this like uh, shelves these uh, Lundia shelves they're called in Finnish in Danish they would be ABC which is just this like wooden modular shelving system so you can kind of like build it as long or wide or whatever you can like attach shelves to each other kind of I guess it's like an a functional design thing from the 60s or 70s maybe and so I have like I have a lot of shelves I have exactly 28 and a half meters of shelves in this space and this I know because I measured everything um so it's the room is like halfly separated with shelves so it's like business in the front and uh everything else bedroom and living arrangement in the back um i'm now sitting like in the home part of the room on my bed basically my bed is like the epicenter of my life is where i do most of everything I mean, I do have a desk on the other side of the shelf, but I have to admit that like most of my work I just do in the bed if I can. Like reading and writing, a lot of like computer editing even. It's not so good for the wrist and the elbow to lie in the bed, but if it's not like heavy photoshopping or like, yeah, big chunks of work, I do like to lie here. I don't know, motorically, it's just nice for me to be able to stretch my legs and roll around. Um, I'm sitting up against my wardrobe, which is basically uh, a lot of clothes neatly folded for the first time in my life. I have folded my clothes um, because otherwise it wouldn't fit. Um, earlier in my life, I have practiced different systems such as like various piles on the floor that I knew the degree of dirtiness of or uh, color-coded mess in the wardrobe so that like each shelf in the closet would have like a different color and I would just stuff everything in there and then like pull everything out because you know if you know you're looking for a specific blue shirt it's it's easier um, but now everything is like sorted into type of of clothing and like neatly folded and stuffed into the shelf uh, which doubles up as acoustic uh, insulation it's not like a real like it's not soundproofing the wall but it is helping because the wall to the neighbor here is fairly thin and I was just realizing that if I can hear them talking on zoom or on the phone then probably they can hear me snore when I'm sleeping or whatever. And so, yeah, my wardrobe has like a multifunctional uh, capacity. Do you have a kitchen? No, no, I, I, I mean, I obviously don't have running water in the space. So uh, 
I have an improvised kitchen of like this little uh, electric oven with two stove plates on the top. In Finnish that would be a seko uni. And then uh, an electric heater or like a water boiler. And a small fridge uh, which also acts as kitchen table on the top counter of it. And then like a little rolling metal trolley, a few other small furniture things for the kitchen as well. <clears throat> Basically more or less everything I put wheels on. Like almost all the furniture has wheels so that you can move it because it's quite a small space and sometimes I need to move stuff around to have like workspace or dancing space or I need to move it to clean. Yeah. And then I use the the common toilets down the hall and there's this like a janitor's closet room thing with a bigger sink where I do my dishes. And where do you shower? I live very close to my school where I do have 24 hour access to common showers where I have like a little little locker with some shower stuff toiletries so I, I usually just go there and then it feels like a, a little bit like a spa because I often just go at really off hours to like in the middle of the night and then no one else is there and then you're in these common showers a little bit like if you would go to the swimming hall or the gym in the night alone which is quite nice I have a little speaker there I listen to podcasts or music and there's great acoustics for singing and in the work side, uh, well, I have a lot of plastic boxes where everything is like sorted. Um, so it's the most systemized my life has ever been. Like tiny living really um, promotes like structure in many ways because you, you just have to. There is no space for mess. It does not take a lot of busyness for uh, the mess to really like start growing like this wild fungus or something in the room. And I try to keep the work mess and the private mess like separate. But basically I, I have a lot of machines and a lot of cables and adapters and things and a lot of like random materials. I remember I talked to a friend and I was like, yeah, I have a whole box, like a whole plastic uh, storage box full of different types of tape. And my friend was like, what do you need that much tape for? Nobody needs that much tape, but it's like it's 12 different types of tape because you always need something specific and you gather all these materials and they're super expensive. And you do need them from time to time, like rolls of paper and stuff. And you don't need them every day, but then sometimes you need something, all this fabric and things. So basically the work table is super messy and there will be like clothes. I will be tossing more and more like clothes on the floor instead of putting it properly like in the laundry bin or, or folding it back up. Uh, whenever I do get busy, then it starts to like... <laughs> fall apart and that can be okay but if I get busy enough for long enough then the work mess and the private mess starts to like uh, 
seep into each other and like overlap and so yeah for instance this spring when I was working on this thesis project that I, I will tell you more about it um, there was like a week where I was you know like the work desk was full of like work stuff cassette tapes and things and paper and but also dishes and I was walking around like empty cardboard boxes and laundry and uh, ghetto blasters everywhere on the floor, all these things. And I was like for a few nights sleeping next to piles of cables, just like piles and piles of like different audio cables that was in my bed. And I had to like just like uh, cuddle up next to them and like find space for myself uh, so then it starts getting a little bit like mentally chaotic for me but otherwise this is the most like systemized I have ever been I think I think uh, I, I consider this place to be quite whimsical and like I don't know I have these cute old like uh, uh, pfft hand-woven like uh, grandma carpets on the floor covering this uh, otherwise quite beautiful uh, vinyl linoleum that has this little bit camouflage look that it kind of looks dirty all the time so you can't see if it's dirty or not and otherwise it's like military moss green I, I actually quite love it but it gets quite cold in the winter and, and I like the carpets and uh, then I have a lot of chutsky uh, in Danish I have like uh, and figurines and stuff and a lot of plants how many plants do you have I have uh, I have 18 potted plants and six cutlings that are like making roots in these little glass bottles I live a little bit in the jungle like a lot of the plants are very large and and I have these like uh, jungly plants I have been like trying to grow a living curtain so that uh, <laughs> to hide me from neighbors um, which is super nice because I have a lot of windows I have seven windows in this room so basically I have two walls with like panoramic window system all my plants really like all this sunshine so they grow insanely fast so basically my window sills are stuffed with plants and uh, ceramic animal figurines and uh, little plastic animals that have their own lives going on inside the potted plants like they live in the soil and and stuff so all these like dogs and dolphins and horses and and stuff are living like everywhere in my room and I always keep the blinds like I never pull them up completely because I'm a bit lazy and also they add a little bit of like camouflage element in the windows um, and it means that the light is like reflect reflecting on them so it's like um, the light is like playing as little dots and stripes through the windows which I just absolutely love I'm in a very tall building uh, the sea tower I call it 
so it's this very tall 18-story building from like the the 60s or 70s maybe and I live basically in the bottom of this really tall building but since I have so many windows and only have like neighbors on one side I have like a lot of view um, so I see a lot of the sky and even in the winter here in Finland it's really dark I still have like panoramic sunset it's wow yeah I can just lie here and just uh, be in this panoramic landscape I have a tree right out right outside the window which is really nice it feels like the jungle is expanding through the glass and in the night I have very like orange and red light inside some more spotlighty when I need to for the work area but generally in my living area I like to be able to control the lighting very comfortably and so this point of the sky changing color which in the summer happens over just like a really long time because it never really gets super dark in Finland in the summer and so there's like shades of blue and turquoise and green and purple on the sky and then my red orange light lights inside creating like this gradual contrast experience Oof. I feel like I live inside a painting it's amazing I love the space I am making morning coffee even though it is almost 4 p.m. because I actually didn't sleep much for the last two nights and I had just set my alarm to to sleep a little bit more but then I heard that the traffic and the construction work was happening and I knew that I wanted to do this interview with like the sounds of the day so if I had slept till too long it would become evening because my day is a little bit um, askew from from the normal day I guess Generally, my daily rhythm is like a little bit fluid, is maybe a good word. So often my day starts quite late in the day, but it also ends late or early. So I considered doing this interview in the morning before going to bed, but that was night me. So even though it was late in the morning, it was not daytime me, it was still the night me that hadn't gone to sleep yet. And so I thought to to fully commit to this idea of like daytime me and nighttime me talking to each other and the performativity of, of aspect of that, of my natural like different states and, and that maybe the different way I sound or speak in the space in the different times of day. I mean, I'm really deep in this conceptualization of, of the sound of this space now and my own role in that. So yeah, I had to sleep a few hours to reset and become daytime me. And so even though I really wanted to sleep and really needed to sleep more, I I am committed to the bit. So now we are, we are doing this thing. I can sleep again later. Well, why don't you... Uh... Why don't you tell us a little bit about your thesis project? Yes, okay. So, my thesis project, like the artistic component, as it's very formally called, um, was a cassette tape. 
or is a cassette tape. So my my work is called The Silence of Sea Tower. And basically I with the same handheld Tascam recorder that I interview or use for all these podcast recordings, I have been recording the sound of this workspace, this room and uh the adjacent hallway areas and toilets all the ambient sounds um of silence which of course is not often very silent like it's a lot of noise and that's the whole project um it's it's not really noise and it's not really ambient it's somewhere in between like field recording soundscape and uh ambient music or or experimental sound and then like noise as a genre so yeah it can be enjoyed as kind of like uh honestly when i was editing it at times it felt like an audio play almost like you know like an audio theater or something there's no like voices on it um but but there's definitely some kind of like linear time progression and like um, events happening even though that was a little bit of a like an ambivalent thing for me and I I did try to avoid working with like a linear timescape as a concept but but of course when you're like working with a sound timeline in the software like you have these tracks and like the sound is literally moving progressively within time and the, the tape has you know, normally a cassette tape has an A or B side or one and two or something like this so that you know where to start. I didn't do that. I made a night and a day side and I didn't even say that. I just made the the sticker, the label on one side darker and lighter on the other. And then the sounds, it's not completely strict black and white. There are overlapping sounds and also sounds that I didn't know what was when I was listening back to them and just like deemed them to be something. But generally like there's like the soundscape of the night and the soundscape of the day on each side. So yes, I thought that obviously it would be just so much of a nice full circle conceptual experience for you guys in the episode to also have the sound of the night and the day of the studio as the ambient sound of these interviews. And it's gonna take me the rest of the fucking day to get it done, but um, I'm too committed to the idea by now. It's, um, I think that's one of the main problems sometimes with working on many different things and with many different mediums um, is that you know you were working on something but a project can only stay interesting for that long I mean you have these waves of like motivation and and inspiration and like interest in the project like it just it doesn't stay as a steady curve and when you get a new idea this new idea is super flashy and shiny and right there and fresh and ready to be picked or like now that it's just um, 
Now I already did the first interview for this episode and then I realized how conceptually perfect it would be to do this, this like double interview night and day and so there won't be another opportunity like it's now if this production is going to be best production I have to make it great right now even if right now I don't actually have time for it that's how it sometimes is with timetables in art praxis yeah sorry if my electric kettle will fun my whole thesis project is ended up being a bit of this like anthropomorphic uh, fairy tale uh, with me like describing all the appliances in my studio as roommates and like analyzing their sound and and then interpreting that as their temper and like personal characteristics and the sound is like how they talk or sing with me and so right now you can hear Wilfa the electric kettle and uh, Mustang the small electric oven and Bialetti the espresso jock thing it's not sounding really right now but it will once it starts boiling yeah so some of these are the sounds that uh, that make up the material of my tape Oh yeah, and I didn't listen back to the night interview before doing this interview, so there would probably be a lot of uh, duplets for me to edit out or make a decision on which one is the best. might also be able to hear the construction work from outside. It's kind of quiet right now, but uh, it's, it's happening. It's not as bad as it used to be. Yeah, I might have an idea of like how I like these sounds and what I think they can do and how they belong together. You know, I knew I wanted to do like this electric light orchestra I recorded a lot of the sounds of like the tube lights, uh, which is part of like the <laughs> the time of the architecture. Like this building is from the 70s and so it hasn't been, like I'm in the lower floors, it has not been renovated down here. So like the whole, all the rooms and the hallways are lit up by these old tube lights and these big metallic fixtures and so they make a lot of like electric crackling and sounds and and all these like mechanic rattles and because they're so old and noisy and it's, it feels like this choir and they all have like different voices in the harmonies and I feel like like it's this death rattle because they're so old and it, the older they get you know when a tube is almost like bursting or running out it's kind of like the death screams just become louder and louder and more and more desperate and like it's it's insanely loud sometimes out in the hallway, but they all have a different voice. They all scream in a different pitch. And so I knew I wanted to have this like 
section of like electric light orchestra screaming and so i would like walk up and down the hallways and the night alone with my arms stretched up to the ceiling with the recorder to record the tube lights walking around on my socks so i wouldn't make a noise and so sometimes i am holding my breath i am like standing still in the middle of the room waiting for the drill from outside to come back and i don't know how long it's gonna be and like the porridge is getting cold and i'm getting late for school and then it's this like inner dialogue or discussion what is more important is it to wait and catch the sound of the drill maybe coming back or is it like to fulfill like everyday timeline responsibilities and also how long can you stand in the middle of a room with your arms stretched up towards a window without losing your balance or like you know how quietly can you breathe um and so I think for me, maybe the maximum I've done is about 15 or 20 minutes of this kind of like activity where I almost become a fixture in the space. Like it, it's kind of, I become part of the building, this static fixture stuck in the middle of the room, unable to move, unable to, to have any kind of like agency because any movement, any breath, any activity will go on the recording and you have like put yourself in this position you already are holding the recorder and like you will destroy the soundscape that you're recording if you start moving um which is a quite interesting exercise for me uh those of you who know me since way back or those who have listened to the other interview i did with myself will maybe realize that this is not a natural position for me to just be fixed and still and waiting. Uh, it's actually like a super frustrating and, and I really don't have the patience for it, but it did mean that like I was doing this one day and I looked out the window because what can you do? You have to be just so quiet and so still, there's nothing else to do, but just listen and look. And I saw this house from my window, like as part of the view. And obviously this house has been there the whole time, but I had never seen it before. In six months of living here, of looking out this window, I had never actually seen this house before. And I only saw it in this moment when I was standing still for 14 minutes or something, like without anything else to do. And it was such a surprise to me that something so huge right there could have been like completely like hidden within my perception or like overlooked that I could just have like not seen it. I don't know. That's a very interesting thing for me. All the things I have not seen in my life because I have just been moving so fast. Uh, or all the things I haven't heard because I've just been making so much noise myself. Uh, which is uh, a good segue. Because that is what this project is about. It's like I'm coming full circle in Finland. I moved here. I was a loud person even at home. I moved to Finland, which is a really quiet country. Culturally, it's very quiet. Um, and so I felt like a Godzilla. Like, I was so loud. I was taking way too much social space. 
and uh, I struggled with that since uh, forever, <laughs> all my life, but especially the last five years here. Uh, and I gradually learned how to shut up and listen, which I also talk a little bit about in the other interview with myself about making a podcast and, and talking to people and listening to them instead of just talking at them. So for me, making a project about like the noise of the silence and like all the things I heard when I finally shut up feels like the right way to end my projects here. So yeah, I decided to to make a project about the noise of the silence uh, or all this stuff that I now was listening to when I was just like being quiet because of course when you live alone you don't really verbalize that much. I do speak to myself a little bit and in the night when I think no other humans are here I sing a lot but generally it's a less verbal lifestyle than if you live with other people. So you you hear a lot. <laughs> so yeah basically it's the sound of my life in the space or it's uh, how is it it's it's my experience of the sound in this place which I have then composed and tried to convey as like uh, within a limited framework mm. those are a lot of fancy words yeah I know it's really uh, <laughs> when you're in the middle of writing a thesis about something you are a little bit in this fancy lingo about stuff you know I practiced for five years how to say these things to other people who work with stuff so so everyone who works together know what they're saying but it's good practice to also try and say it to to people who don't work with it so um, when reading theory about listening there are all these like uh, people who have spent their whole life listening and writing books about it and there are all these different modes of listening and so one of the basic ones is like this aware listening where you listen for like potential dangers and there are different modes of listening where you try to identify the source of the sound or um you know like the event that made the sound these things well okay so there is one story that maybe i should tell which kind of like it didn't instigate the project, but it happened in the beginning and it did have an effect. I had only lived here like less than a week. And then I was woken up by suddenly these flashlights lighting up the space in my room. And I like wake up, someone is in my room. And it's these like two men with flashlights. And I think they're like security guards or something. And I'm like jumping out of my bed, super confused. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing in my in my space, in my studio? And like, my first question was just like, was the door open? Like, did, did I leave the door open to the hallway? My first thought was, uh-oh, somehow the door has been open and the security guards have like seen it and thought, what is this? Um, and these guys, they just look at me with their flashlights and they ask like, do you live here? And I say, no, no, of course I don't live here. 
I mean, that is not allowed. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. No, no, I don't live here. Um, I was just working really late. And like, it's so obvious that I live here. The only thing I have is like a really big bed, a fridge and an oven, and like all these bags of clothes, like open plastic bags with clothes on the floor. So it's really... <laughs> yeah, but I was, I'd just been woken up. I was not my sharpest. So then, I don't know, I get to like, I get them out in the hallway again. We move out of my studio and somehow I realize they are not security guards. They are police officers. And, and I say that to them, I'm like, oh, you're real police. Why are you here? Like, did something happen? And they are like, kind of like aggressively trying to open all the studio doors. So, I mean... I thought they came to my studio because like my door had been open or something because that was my first question. I kept asking them like, is it my, f did you come because of me? I was like, is that why you're here? I don't know. You know, I just moved in. I didn't know. And they were like, no, like we are looking for some man. Uh, did you play billiard? They asked <laughs> like, what? Like in my life? Yeah, sure. Today? No. No, I did not. <laughs> I've just been here. And so it turns out that um, like a few floors up, well, some guy, some drunk or high guy, I don't know, crazy, something. Some guy has smashed like a glass door to enter the building, has made it a few floors above me, has like smashed his way into that floor or like the door has been unlocked or something, has like uh, found unlocked studios or like empty studios and like common furniture and like smashed through the windows with like common furniture in empty studio spaces luckily not broken into anyone's actual studio or anything but still like someone has been smashing around a few floors up while i have been sleeping and this was why the police was here and i don't know why they were asking about the billiard maybe he has been in some bar making trouble before coming here i'm not sure but basically, yeah, that's why they were here trying to open all the studio doors. So it's been a super coincidence that my door was not locked and that they have like managed to enter. I was just so worried that they would tell the landlord that someone was living here. Uh, and it took me a few weeks until I was like that my nervous system had a little bit come down because, of course, this is a quite stressful way to be woken up. It's actually not the first time in my life that the police has broken into my room, but that's like a different story. It also happened in Copenhagen once. They crawled through the window and came in and suddenly was standing in my room. But different story, different time. <laughs> uh, there was no problem in any of these circumstances, honestly. I had <laughs> done, done nothing wrong at it. But um, yeah, so it was a quite stressful way to be woken up, especially since I had lived here only a few days. So I was like, well, a lot of emotions. First of all, like, shit, are they going to tell my landlord? And fuck, I'm never sleeping with my door accidentally not locked again. But also a crazy guy was uh, smashing glass doors and windows and things through the building and a few floors up while I was sleeping and my door was unlocked. What if he had, like, come into my room? You know, so a lot of these, like, a lot of uh, adrenaline, a lot of anxiety, a lot of, like, welcome to the neighborhood, where 
there was just this like handwritten note on the door in the lobby saying like in Finnish, but I, I translated it on Google Translate. Like, uh, there is blood in the lobby. The police has been here. And so basically they they cut they caught the guy because while he was like smashing all these like glass doors and stuff, he had cut himself pretty badly. So he had like like he had been bleeding outside of the tower and stuff when accidenting. I don't know. And so <laughs> I was just like, okay, welcome to the tower. So I have come to realize that during my time here, I have really moved through a lot of different stages and modes of living of listening, but very like aggressively kickstarted with this super aware listening where I would literally sit in here. And for a few months after this event, I didn't know if this was like everyday common practice in this neighborhood or in this tower that like you could just have crazy guys coming in to like smash everything. So for a few months, I would be sitting here in my studio, super quiet, like a little bunny rabbit, like all shaky. And every time, you know, because I spend a lot of time here alone. I would be here the whole night, every night alone when no neighbors were here. And so if I was here in the night and I heard someone coming in the hallway, like I heard a door opening or someone talking, I would like sit next to the door, my ears like pointed and I would like hold my breath and listen and trying to discern whether or not these people belonged here or not. I would try to like identify how people sound in a space depending on like what their agenda is or what their um, like agency in the space is. So like how do you move in a space if you belong there? How do you move in a space if you don't belong there? How do you move in a space if you have good intentions? How do you move in a space if you have not good intentions? You know, these things, those were, those thoughts were on my mind. I was doing nervous listening, like anxious listening, trying to figure out the source of sounds. And so, of course, the longer I stayed here and didn't get find out, found out, didn't, didn't get kicked out, uh, the longer I stayed here and no one broke into my room again. and. The more safe I felt, the more I relaxed, the more my listening relaxed. But also recording myself and like having this ongoing like performative aspect of it also allowed me to relax more with it. So working with the sound of the space has also changed my listening within the space. And it has changed the way that I listen to myself in the space. Because that's the thing, even if you don't say anything, you produce sound trying to get to know my neighbors and like realize like uh, trying to get to know my relationship with them or like how we share the acoustic space uh, like but in a non-verbal investigation just like listening observing most other people in my part of the tower they are here during normal office hours sometimes late into the evening but not in the night and and not so often in the weekends which uh, kind of fits me quite well because my more active times are in the night. And then with all this, like <laughs> sitting there as like this passive detective <laughs> trying to like navigate my surroundings through the walls just right like by ear, I started realizing 
that I too make sounds in this place. And then I started like considering what kind of sounds do I make? How do I move in the space where I do belong? I pay rent here, but I also know that I move here in ways that I don't belong or that like I try to like hide. So then I got into this whole like uh, thing of trying to categorize the different sounds of my life. And I would write these like lists of like sounds that belongs in the workspace, sounds that belong in the private space and the sounds that are like in the gray zone between those. Um, and so categorize like red, yellow or green sounds, like what sounds are acceptable in this space and what sounds are not acceptable, like what sounds will tell people that I'm doing things here that might reveal that I exist here in a way that I'm not supposed to. Like brushing my teeth. Usually people don't brush their teeth in their workspace. They could, it's not forbidden, but most people don't. Uh, opening a drawer with cutlery has a very particular sound. Um, sleeping, things like this. And then I would start to like consider uh, the aspect of time because of course in the night when I'm here alone, I can do whatever I want. No one hears me. Um, so then I realized that like the time of day has an impact to what sounds go into what category. And then because it's a workspace, it's a little bit different from a home living space because in the place I was living before, I would have not been allowed to vacuum in the middle of the night because of neighbors and roommates. Here, I can vacuum whenever I want to. Uh, field recording is not only like in a literal field or in the nature. Anything can be considered to be the field. So for me, the field is this tower or this studio space. Um, and so I am part of the field. That is like a general uh, paradox within field recording is that Field recording is traditionally considered to be a little bit of this like neutral objective practice. Traditionally, um, field recordists have tried to like eliminate themselves from the recordings, like being very quiet while recording and stuff. So as to <laughs> give off the impression that they're not there, that like this is the sound of reality uh, documentary style. but. Um, more newer scholars uh, are like arguing that that is impossible. One artist who wrote a lot about this is uh, Mark Peter Wright, who is an English artist uh, that I took. A, he came to my school from England to do a, a course about the ethics of field recording. And it was really great. And I, I read a lot of text that he wrote about the subject. So, yeah, the thing is, I decide when to record and I decide what to record. But also you're physically part of the soundscape. You become part of the acoustic space. 
And so even if I'm silent in the space, I'm also the material of me, like me as physical matter is in the space and will affect to some degree how the sound vibrations in the space functions and how they sound. So, yeah. No matter how still I stand, how quiet I try to breathe, I am part of the recording. So even like sometimes for the, this project, I have like left the recorder alone in the room and left the space. I've gone to do the dishes or gone to the shop maybe. And then, so the recorder has been recording the space without my presence, but I still, I put the recorder there. I decide what device to record with, which is already coloring and filtering the sound a little bit. It just mechanically, it does that. And, and so, that is a choice from the beginning, how to record the sound. I decide where to place the recorder, where to point it. I decide when to press record and when to press stop. So all of this is like editing choices that is happening even before you bring it into the editing suite of the software that you're gonna like further edit with. But you're making like editorial choices from the beginning of listening uh, and deciding to to document that listening. So that means I already have infiltrated the natural documentation of something. Like it's already controlled by me. I am conducting the documentary. And so this whole ethical question of like how to place yourself within the soundscape I quite early in the process decided to just like acknowledge my own presence also because this is like a recording of the sound of this place like it's site-specific experience of the sound of a place and I'm part of this place my sounds are part of the soundscape of this space and so if I were to remove all those sounds a part would be missing also like my neighbors hear my sounds or some of them at least as part of their soundscape in this space just as i hear some of their sounds because sound doesn't respect these like perceived visual borders of a wall you can make the wall in materials that will block the sound more or less but like this space is not built for working with sound or for being sound neutral i decided to just like acknowledge myself as a co-performer in the sound stage that is happening here that I'm recording and to just like acknowledge my own performativity in this everyday situation like I perform all these like daily tasks and like habits of, of being alive and being human and working and, and living and these like cycles of ritualistic habitants is that a word? ritualistic hab habitation might be the correct country way to say it um so yeah i appear quite a lot on the on the tape sometimes i would be here but unaware like i have a few times like uh in the morning there has been like some sound i wanted to catch and then left the recorder and fallen back asleep and so then like a few times I've accidentally recorded myself sleeping for a few hours and just like the space around me without my knowing 
which was really surreal to listen back to later on and and like choose what parts to use so i am i am sleeping on the final uh composition also but it's a little bit like hidden uh layered together with like this drill from the uh, construction work so i don't know well maybe now you will be able to hear it if those of you who hear this and the tape but anyway i am i'm aware of my own performativity in the space which of course i didn't grant all my co-performers the same luxury i mean my neighbors are not clearly discernible on any of the recordings but they're definitely part of the background soundscape and to some degree and they're not aware of that uh the people outside driving their cars or uh operating the construction machines um they are not aware that they're performing in this symphony that i am like working with um the seagulls flying around outside are not aware that they are performing on my work. I don't know about my inanimate roommates here, like these performers. I mean, I have told them quite a lot. They they might be aware to, to this extent that inanimate objects can be aware of, of how they are cohabitating and, and co-performing, but that's a whole other area of of this thesis is this anthropomorphism or this like apophenic listening i think ap apophenic is the right word which means like seeing patterns in things uh so like uh uh how clouds can look like things or uh, conspiracy theories and things that might not have anything to do with each other but then you start seeing the patterns or the connections and anthropomorphism or this like a projecting humane traits or personality traits onto inanimate objects is another like a uh, way of, of apo apophenic thinking yeah somehow you know i look at my appliances here and i can see that they're just machines that they're dead objects but i listen to them and they are so lively they have so much to say and there's just there's so much life and energy in them and and there's so much personality in the sounds they make and they're so different from each other and there's like in the sound side of things they really become alive Should we talk a little bit more about this whole day and night thing? Um, yeah, yeah, we can. So you talk about your own performativity in the space and the night you and the day you are now talking to each other as if they are separate entities or versions of you. Um, can you elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, sure. Um, well, of course, I'm just me. It's not actually different people. But um, I am aware in this space, you know, that it's a shared sound space and that I am in the space in a place that I am not supposed to be. I mean, of course, I'm allowed to be here and stuff, but I'm not allowed to live here. So I am aware that I'm making some other sounds in the space than people who just work here. And so 
I don't want to make myself too noticed, but also in Finland, there is really like a lot of um, mutual respect about the shared sound spaces and the silence of, of or like the right to silence is um, valued and, and treasured here much more than I have experienced in any other country before. So uh, I don't want to, this is why I'm singing and dancing and listening to loud music in the night when no one is here because I don't like they're doing office work next door you know I don't want to disturb them do your neighbors know that you live here I don't know to be honest I have no idea maybe maybe they can guess it I am I'm trying not to reveal it with my with how I present myself like as in this indirect way of how you meet each other in the hallway or how you yeah sound in the space but at the same time I have not been there that careful about it um, I mean I've told a lot of people I've made this public artwork about it now which also I did have some hesitation about and some reservations a lot of reservations about making this podcast episode and talking about it but I decided that I've been here a year and nothing has happened and probably I mean, I don't have that many listeners. I am taking my chances and thinking that probably uh, the people managing this skyscraper are not going to 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 listen to this podcast. <laughs> and probably or hopefully the people who do listen to this podcast uh, are like uh, empathetic people when it comes to like uh, working as an artist and will agree that it's okay that I'm here. Thank, Thank you for listening. listening. Hope, Hope you enjoyed it. it.